This is a test. For the next 60 seconds, this station will conduct a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. The following program is intended for mature audiences. Oh, you can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! Shot flew up! Welcome to This Week in Tennis. Welcome to This Week in Tennis. It has been a long time since we've done this show, but now that I am back in the United States of America, I'm currently living in Akron, Ohio. Big shout out to my friend Melvin for putting up with me. And we decided we were going to get back into this whole thing and start off with This Week in Tennis. And I'm really happy, like I said, to be here. I want to send a big shout out to the Akron Public Libraries. 
They have built a recording studio. I walked in the door. They'd been wanting to do it for a long time. I said, hey, I need a place to record. They said, hey, we're building one. How often do you need it? I said, every single day. You're just what we're looking for, they said. So big shout out to the Akron Public Libraries. We are still trying to work out the kinks, so we'll do our best to do that. And you know what? Craig Doyle is on the line. He is in Scotland, and I miss that voice. I miss that accent. I miss talking to my friend every week. Craig, what's up, man? How you doing? Welcome back to the show. Welcome back. It is good to be back. It has been a long time. I had a few nerves before I came on. Not sure if you know we can do this again, but we're rolling, and I'm really looking forward to sitting down and having a chat with you. I am happy to be here, too. I'll tell you what. It was a long trip home from America, or to America, I should say. Oh, my own. I'll tell you what, being gone for 12 years, you come back, Craig, and everything is different. I mean, really different. I remember I was here in Akron, I guess, 20-some years ago. I spent the summer hanging out with my buddy Melvin, and the tennis courts, Craig, were full all the time, and now they're just not, and I, I don't know why that is, but uh, it is what it is, I guess. I, I suppose it's not, I suppose it probably is because there aren't that many Americans that they can watch on TV other than the incomparable Serena Williams, 18th Grand Slam, Craig. Serena was incomparable and in awesome form during the U.S. Open, eh? Yeah, isn't that wonderful to see because, you know, she hasn't won a Grand Slam up to this point this year, and, you know, there were a few people asking questions. Is is this a time, you know, where she's, she's needing to hang up the racket and she's going to slip down the rankings and, you know, Serena, she's vanquished all of those suggestions in the space of two weeks with a dominating U.S. Open win where, you know, it may just be my opinion, but she really did look like the only contender. Yeah, really. There ain't no doubt about that. She was looked like the only contender. Caroline Wozniacki had a great tournament. And if you read the preview that I wrote for Fansided.com while I was fooling around waiting for this studio to be ready... I called her a long shot. She got in there too, Craig. She did, and I think it's uh, you know the end of a great little spell for Wozniacki. She was looking at her third Grand Slam final, I believe, which is uh, quite an impressive feat given the so-called deficiencies of her game. But she's she's worked hard to raise herself back up the rankings, put herself back in contention. Just unfortunate on the day she came up against arguably one of the best women's players we've ever seen. And that's probably true. One of the best ever, sure. I think she is the greatest ever now. I mean, she overcame that little issue at Wimbledon, and look at her now. I mean, she's back where she said she would be. She had a great summer, and she finished like a champion. And that's how champions do things. I mean, that's how Chris Ever did things. That's how Martina Navratilova did things. That's how Steffi Graf did things. Serena Williams' name belongs in that conversation, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does. I mean... You know, the mentality that you need when so many people are doubting you, so many people are, you know, maybe not willing you to fail, but suggesting that things are going that way. The, uh, you know, the strength of character that it takes to go away and say, no, I belong at the top. I'm going back to the top. This is what I need to do to get there. Then to go out there and do that on the biggest stage at the U.S. Open, uh, it, it shows tremendous strength of character from Serena Williams. Man, it sure does. You know, I was really happy for her. I'm always, I've always been a big fan of Serena's, as you know, even when she has her 
faux pas and mix-ups and gets a little snarly with the press. She's one of my favorites. She's going to be one of the coolest grandmas ever. Her her and her, uh, her and her sister Venus getting the cobwebs out. Craig, it's been a month since I've been on the air. I took a little vacation, but uh, by golly, congratulations to Serena Williams. Super stuff. Caroline Wozniacki too. You know what? She got to the finals. Defense paid off. You know, I, I tell you what. I watched her play against, uh, or I guess it was Maria Sharapova. And she played a point that was this incredible defense, and then she uh, turned it on. I mean, I was really happy for her. I'll tell you what, though. I'll tell you what. Her ex-boyfriend, Rory McIlroy, he's got to be the biggest douchebag on earth, man, really. Got to be the biggest douche on earth. Not for how he broke up with her, but here he is. He knows he's famous. He's making fun of her or her his ex-girlfriend, Caroline, making fun of her completely with the uh, swing in the club bit. And he's just so foolish that he doesn't realize that this sort of thing gets caught on camera. And now he looks like a bigger idiot, doesn't he? Yeah. No need for that from him. It's childish. It's immature. You know, he's got his own career to focus on. And, you know, he's been very successful since the breakup. And I, I just feel that he doesn't need to be, Looking over the fence, causing issues. He just needs to get on with his own thing and uh, let things be. I would hope so. You know what? He's the one that did the breaking up, right? According to her. You'd think he would be uh, a little more uh, kinder about it, a little more classier about it. But it is what it is. And you know what? You're right. He's had a pretty good little run since he uh, departed or parted ways with Miss Wozniacki. The men's final. The men's tournament. The men's draw. It was incredible, really. It was a lot of fun to see Marin Silic and uh, Kena Shikori in the final. A lot of people didn't have either one of them in there. Of course, there was one moron on Facebook who claims he had both of them, and I, <laughs> I'm sure he, I'm sure that's what he thinks. You know, he's one of those kind of guys who uh, decides because someone doesn't write him back that they are probably not really a girl. One of those kind of morons, you know, one of those Facebook fugazis, Craig, that we used to talk about on my daily show, but. Anyhow, big shout-out to Marin Silic. How about that? Marin Silic, U.S. Open champion. Never thought I'd have those words come out of my mouth, and so succinctly and so clearly this morning. No, certainly not. I mean, going to the draw, you were still looking at Djokovic and Federer contesting the title with Wawrinka, Murray as outside shots, maybe Dimitrov perhaps becoming... Uh, the, you know, the player that people expect him to be or Raonic maybe doing something. Nobody saw Nishikori get into the final. Nobody saw Silic get into the final. You know, these are, these are guys who have been sort of peripheral players sitting outside the top 10 in the last couple of years. And, you know, they really stepped it up. They, you know, they, they took everyone by surprise, I guess, and just uh, really blew people away. Yeah, you know what? You're right. Now, here's the thing, though, Craig. I did make a bet. My buddy can actually attest to this, that I took Nishikori to make it to the final. It was a great odds, and I thought, you know what? Hero ball works for a while. You look at his draw, and it looked pretty good up until the time he had Djokovic. I started to get a little nervous, but you know something, man? Nishikori did a fantastic job throughout that fortnight of being aggressive until the final. I, you know, I tell people all the time, I say, hero ball works. 
Going for broke works, but I don't think you can win a major playing go for broke seven days in a row. What do you think? No, no, it's it's very difficult to maintain it at that level. You know, and as you get deeper into the tournament, obviously the opponents you face become better quality. They have ways to stop you doing that. You, you've seen these players, the top players, Roger Federer. Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, they, they find ways to stop you from doing that. They, you know, they, they work the percentages against you. Um, and I was, you know, I was impressed with Nishikori up, up until the final as well. And he just kind of shrunk in the final. He, he didn't come out. He didn't play as big as he did. And, you know, he got effectively what he deserved for the performance that he put in, which is unfortunate given all the hard work he'd put in up until that point. Yeah, you're right about that, too. He did put in a lot of hard work. I, I really enjoyed watching him play throughout that fortnight. I love watching Silich play throughout that fortnight. It was fantastic stuff. It, it really was. It was a great U.S. Open. But I'll tell you what, and we talked about this last year. I'm still very disappointed in Super Saturday. It's gone. You know, I, I was really looking forward to it. I, I used to as a kid, just lived for Super Saturday. It seems to me, and you know what, these guys are crying and moaning, guys like Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic particularly, whining and crying about playing a Monday final. But you know something? It's awful, Craig, because it comes on at 4 o'clock in the afternoon here in the United States on a Monday, and a lot of us are working at that time. If you're a tennis teacher of any merit, repute, or whatever, you're on the tennis court at that time. And, and it, it's got to be unfriendly to CBS and, and to the uh, networks for hosting it at that time. And, and I think it just takes away from what the U.S. Open was about, that effort on Saturday and then you have to come back on Sunday. Now, what did you think about that was – did you notice the difference in play? Did it make a difference to you? Would it have made a difference to you if that semifinals would have been played on Saturday and the finals on Sunday? Well, I'm going to be completely honest here. And I actually thought when uh, it got to the Friday that the semifinals were on the Saturday and the final was on the Sunday. I was sitting on the Sunday expecting the final to come on. And then I realized that they had you know, stuck to the previous year plan and moved it to the Monday. So I was actually caught out a little there. Um, for me, I just don't like this idea of a Monday. It's it, this extra day's rest. And, you know, they get the two semifinals on the Saturday. That's good for TV, I guess. But I just think that the final needs to go on the Sunday evening. Uh, regardless, that's when it should be traditionally. It's when, you know, tennis people are going to be there to watch it. It's when you've got your audience. Uh, I, I just don't see the value in this extra day to the tournament, the, uh, the final being scheduled earlier in the day, it, none of it adds up for me, Phil, unfortunately. Doesn't add up for me either. And then that women's final on Sunday, that competes directly with the NFL. And that's the National Football League is huge. It really is. You know, in years past, the NFL cooperated with the U.S. Open and they, uh, you know, kind of worked together on it. The final might have started a little later on Sunday, a few minutes late after the first football game was over. But then you had, 
you had all that audience who were already there watching the football. Now they got tennis to look forward to. And a lot of them remained. That didn't happen, I don't believe, this time. And it was really strange. I was I honestly believe that the women's final was on Saturday, dude. And I was looking forward to that a little bit. And I'm thinking, you know what? I got it. The library here closes at six and I'll stop then and I'll go home and watch the rest of the I'll watch the men's final or men's semi, the second one. Not the case. You know, old habits die hard, but this has got to bite the networks in the tush. And it's got to bite a lot of people financially in the tush. And I think at the end of the day, it's going to hurt tennis in the United States, particularly because people are just not watching anymore. Yeah, I got to agree with that. It's just, uh, it, it's madness, isn't it? It's, I, I, you know, you've got that tradition there. And you've built that up over so many years. And you just to take that down and try to change things and, Ah, it, it just doesn't work for me, you know. It just overall, I, I don't see the benefit for anyone whatsoever. But you know, they've gone with it. They're going to ride it out. Maybe they'll see in a couple of years' time that it's not the idea they thought it was, and revert back to what they had before. You know, we can only cross our fingers and hope that that's going to be the case. Yeah, cross your fingers, cross your legs, cross a lot of things. The, the biggest thing is, is you have to try to convince the crybabies like Rafael Nadal and particularly Novak Djokovic, who did a lot of pouting and whining about this, the benefits to his sport, the benefits to the youth. And more people will get to watch Novak Djokovic play tennis if he can make it to the final again. We'll have to wait and see, but... It, yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's not Super Saturday anymore. It's just, it seems like a Friday. And, and they start at noon. And well, you know what? A lot of people, especially in the fall, that's the first Saturday in the fall. They're looking for other things to do. And it, it's just not right. It just doesn't make sense. And that final on Monday being played at four, sometimes three in the afternoon in on the West Coast, it just doesn't work, man. It really doesn't. But I'm not going to let that detract from a great U.S. Open. And i got to send out a monster shout-out to two young fellas I've been watching play since they were kids. Bob and Mike Bryan picked up their 100th professional title and their 16th Grand Slam win when they won the doubles at the U.S. Open. If people are talking about U.S. tennis being dead, these two young fellas ain't dead. Serena Williams ain't dead. What did you think about the Bryan brothers, man? Aren't they phenomenal? The Bryan brothers are playing in a league of their own in the doubles tour. Um, you know, th th there's been some good teams over time. Th these teams, they form, they have success, they break up, but there's never been anybody on the doubles tour quite like the Bryan brothers. The success, the amount of success, the sustained amount of success over such a long period of time is just phenomenal. I mean, I've had the privilege of watching these two fellas play Many times um, this year, in fact, Roland Garros, um, saw them on the clay and, you know, just the way they play the game, the enthusiasm they, they play the game with, the uh, technique, the skill, the reaction time, it's, it, it's just something, it's a spectacle to behold, it's different from the singles play and I think it captivates people. People... You put the Bryan Brothers name on your card, you advertise them as being on your card, and people come out to see the Bryan Brothers because they know they're going to get something special. And I'm sure uh, you know, we'll see them at the, the World Tour Finals, and they'll light the World Tour Finals up as well. 
these guys have been an absolute phenomenon for doubles tennis. And uh, let's hope they continue to do so for the years to come. Absolutely. You know what else they're great for, Craig? And that's tournaments. Because they participate in the players' party. They're out there all week long. They've got their little rock band they call. I don't know what they call themselves. But they're doing a lot of different things behind the scenes and in front of the fans. And you know what? They don't have to anymore. These guys are giants in the sport. And yet a lot of people don't even know who they are. And that's unfortunate, too. But uh, big shout out. 100 titles. I think the Woodies, uh, Mark Woodford and uh, Todd Woodbridge won, what, 66 titles. The Bryan brothers won 100. 100. And you know what? I think these guys can play about six, seven, maybe 10 more years, too. Because you know what? They've been groomed to play doubles. They don't play singles at all. Or if they do, it's uh, limited. And, well, I want to see them play for as long as we can. Because, unfortunately, Craig, I don't see any hope for U.S. men's tennis other than these two fellas anytime soon. No, it's uh, it looks a little bit bleak. Um, we've not seen anything coming through in the Grand Slams. There's been nobody exploded onto the scene, no youngster lighting things up. You still have the same John Isner's, Sam Querys. I mean, someone told me the other day that Donald Young's one of the top players on the tour from America at the moment. I mean, you know, these these guys, college level, they might be good, but when you take them out onto the tour, they're, they're not world-class players. Um, their games are often limited to, you know, Isner's got his big serve and his forehand. Young's a decent all-court player, but these guys just don't have the big game like, against the big players, and it's... It's a shame, you know, there's a rebuilding operation going to have to go on there. Someone's going to have to come out to college at some point and, yeah, you know, fingers crossed uh, a new Andy Roddick or such like appears for American men's tennis to reignite the American public interest in, in the sport. Yeah, I tell you what, it's going to be tough. Um, it all starts at the grassroots level, though. The problem is, is it's, a, it's an expensive sport, it really is, especially to take lessons. And, and you know what? It's always going to be that way. I guess it's always been that way. But, you know, when you're an American and you're thinking about sending your kid to college and you're going to invest when they're young in a sport, you're probably not going to do tennis because tennis, there's limited amount of scholarships. I think there's, what, two in every college, two full rides. It's just as easy to uh, get your kid on a golf course. It's just as easy to get your kid on a soccer pitch. It's just as easy, if not easier, to get your kid to play baseball. You know, tennis is a difficult sport, and it takes a special kid. And you know the other thing, too, And when we talk about American tennis, we all want to see that boom rush that we were spoiled with, with the Changs and the Agassiz, the Sampras's, the Jim Couriers, the even David Wheaton. Um, and you mentioned Andy Roddick, of course. You're not going to have that. You know, tennis is a cyclical sport. Remember the Swedes, how many they had out of that tiny country, then all of a sudden it dried up? Well, I think that's what's happened here. I, I just think also that the globalization of the game, Craig, it, it's changed to where you've got these kids, like a Novak Djokovic, for example, who are living in places where bobs are going off over their heads, and they want to get the heck out of there. And tennis seems to be the fastest way to do that in a lot of little countries. And we're seeing a lot of that. 
We're seeing kids from Romania again. We're seeing kids from Serbia, from Montenegro, from Croatia. Look at the Czech Republic, for goodness sakes. So, so you have all that extra competition. And again, you know, like I said, tennis is a cyclical sport, and, and they do go in cycles. You mean remember this? They called it the Spanish Armada. Now, where are all these young Spaniards? You see, so it, it kind of goes back and forth and does what it does, and, and, and that's what you have. And I, and I think that. American tennis will come back if they go back to what they were doing previously, and that would be to bring back the private coach, you know, to work with these national governing bodies. You know, when I was coming up, they had a USA national team, and they had national coaches per se, but your local coach was more involved. Even when you went to play for Junior Davis Cup, for example, your local coach was still involved, and I think they need to get back to that. I think if you notice the success of these, the Djokovic's, for example, the Andy Murray's, you know, they all had private coaches coming up for quite a while before they were shipped off to academies. And, and that's another thing, maybe. And they need to um, stop worrying so much about building a national tennis academy and get back to. Look out for guys like Nick Bulateri. Look what they did and look what Nick was able to accomplish there. So maybe that as a part in all this. I mean, there's several ways to look at it, I guess. Maybe I just bored everyone to death with that response, but I guess that's how I feel. Just off the top of my head, though. Actually, you in America are in a very similar boat to what we are in the UK. Um you mentioned Andy Murray, but other than Andy Murray, there's not a lot coming through the system. Certainly on the men's side of things, there's guys sitting out there, 300, 400 in the rankings. They've been there for a few years. They're going nowhere. What we've done in the UK is we've brought in the previous head of the Canadian development system, which has recently produced Milos Raonic, um, a few other me- me- top 100 men's players, plus the likes of Eugenie Bouchard on the women's side. So he's come in, and we have actually, in the last month, abandoned the National Tennis Centre. Yep, that facility that we spent millions and millions of uh, British pounds on, state-of-the-art facility that has produced nothing for years, is now being abandoned in favour of a regionalised system where there are going to be four big tennis centres over the UK, more regionalised, able to reach out to the public a little bit better, more accessible... Uh, spread our uh, top coaches out across the country as opposed to having them all in the one region just down the road from Wimbledon. Um, Obviously, this Canadian gentleman's got a vision for how he's going to develop British tennis. Um, He's obviously relatively new in his role, so we'll sit here and we'll observe what he's doing and we'll see if he can uh, develop a few more players through the British system in this more regional approach as opposed to the national approach. And, uh, you know, I, I've really got high hopes that we we start to see results in the next 10 years uh, as opposed to throwing a lot of money away on absolutely nothing. Now, that facility was Roehampton. That's where the uh, Wimbledon qualifiers held. Yeah, you're right. You know what? There's, I, I like that regional idea that they're doing better. I mean, the LTA, you know, we can go on and on about what they could have done in the past. We'll see what happens with them. We really will. I'll tell you what, Craig, that was a lot of fun. This is just off the top of, off the cuff. 
They opened up the room. They said, hey, dude, get in there. I jumped on, got a, found Craig over in Scotland. I'll tell you what we're going to do, though. We're going to take a break, and we're going to talk more about this in the coming weeks when we uh, kind of plot some uh, <laughs> plot a better course, maybe. But what, we'll, what we're going to do is take a break. And when we return, we're going to talk about Andy Murray and his decision to hire Emily Moresmo. And how is that going to work? And was that even a good idea? And then we're going to take a look about some other celebrity coaches. Davis Cup is happening this weekend. We are going to take a little bit of a look at that. Just big shout out to those guys. And then we'll give you our tournaments for the following week and the women's tour, the women's tour and the men's tour. You're listening to This Week in Tennis. Been dreaming of that Greek vacation? Well, if you have, then you might want to check out the folks at the Oridi Grand Hotel, located in beautiful Corfu, Greece. Come experience world-class cuisine, as well as the hospitality that Greece is legendary for at the Oridi Grand Hotel. You can find them at oridihotel.com or email them at reservations at aridihotel.com. Talksuperstation.com. That's right, the superstation of talk. Talking to you each and every day. We have a lot to talk about. Monday. Government is not the answer. Elf is the answer. Hey, guys, I'm here. Tuesday. The Yankees are always good. We are going to go for old-timers now. Well, I think I feel. I'm a Mets fan. We have clothes pin Wednesday. You and I are staying put. Thank goodness, because I have uh, no socks on, and uh, staying put is what I need to do. Thursday. I would love Martin to Feed actually decided to run for president. I would vote for him. Friday. You know how hard it is to get a topic not about sports on ESPN Radio? It's about as hard as me introducing sports on this show. Saturday. It's time to party. And Sunday. How can we respect anyone in Washington, D.C. Every day, we talk to you. Sit back and enjoy this. TalkSuperStation.com Talk spoken here. Stitcher Smart Radio is an award-winning, free mobile application that lets you listen to your favorite shows and discover the best of news, entertainment, and sports on demand. Now you don't even need a Wi-Fi or a cell connection to listen to shows like The Phil Mason Show. Never miss another show. It's real simple. Just go to Stitcher.com and download the free app today. And never miss another Phil Mason Show. Hi, this is Phil Mason's from This Week in Tennis and The Phil Mason Show. Max Sports Channels offers the best in sports talk radio, as well as great music 24 hours a day. It's my daily destination, and I hope it's yours. The sports talk begins each and every day at 3 p.m. and ends around 9 p.m. Special programming on the weekends, and in between all that, the hottest music on the internet. That's Max Sports Channels. Make it your daily destination.
Welcome back to This Week in Tennis. I'll tell you what, I got to send out a big, I'm drinking this coffee, correct? And it's from the Coffee Pot Cafe next door to the Akron Public Library where we're doing this radio program that you can hear on Max Sports channels. And I'm going to pitch it to a few others. This isn't blog talk radio, although it might sound like it today because you know what? We're working out the kinks here in the brand new Akron Public Library recording studio and I'll tell you what, Craig, it is so good to uh, have you on the air, dude. You're missing out, man. I got to tell you, though, this coffee's amazing. It's at, like I said, the Coffee Pot Cafe right down the street from the library. They also own a coffee pot restaurant, I guess is what it's called. Man, you want to talk about stew and chili and just it's amazing, dude. You would, If you were here, you would love it, I'm sure. <laughs> well, sorry to disappoint you, Phil, but, uh, you know, I was in a little bit of a rush to get here today, came in the door, sat down. I've not even managed to get a glass of water to sit with me, so uh, you're making me quite jealous at the moment. I don't mean to. I mean, but honestly, the food is amazing. I'm going to stop over there on my way home today and uh, eat some soup. I like soup, man. I, I like a lot. You want to talk about soup? Andy Murray was in the soup. When he decided to hire Emily Moresmo to be his coach, a lot of people on social media blasted the daylights out of that poor kid. I think you did, too. What did you think about that hiring? <laughs> uh, you're well aware that I did. Um, personally, I thought it was some sort of gimmick, some sort of statement he was trying to make, um, some sort of... I, I find it very difficult to express it. It just didn't seem to me to be a tennis decision more than it did to be some sort of decision to prove that a woman could manage a top coach in the men's game. I, I just couldn't figure out what Moresmo was going to bring to the team from the tennis perspective. I mean, she's won an equal number of Grand Slams that Murray has. She wasn't in my mind a top 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 women's player i've not seen anything from her thus far that suggests that she brings anything to murray's game in terms of a tactical approach i've not seen anything that suggests she's fixed his uh service motion to improve consistency or improve the speed of his second serve really i, I struggle to see what she's bringing to the table that makes her an asset to someone like Andy Murray who could have gone out and gotten someone with more experience, uh, more Grand Slam winning experience, more tactical experience. It, it just doesn't add up why you'd be paying someone who seems limited to help him along. For, for me, it seems a lot like an easy option as opposed to finding a replacement for Lendl, which would have made a lot more sense given the fact that Lendl brought an Olympic medal and two Grand Slams to, to Murray's trophy cabinet. But, uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure someone can justify, or maybe Andy himself is the only one who can justify why Amelie Moresmo's on board his coaching team. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man, I'm going to make a comeback, and I'll tell you something, I'm going to hire a chick, too. I'll tell you what, those Tennessee accents are amazing. Knock me out. I, I could listen to that all day. I wouldn't care about tactics or any of the above, but I don't think that's the case with Andy Murray. 
I really don't. Uh, you know something? It was kind of surprising. But then again, you know, what was wrong with the coach before and the coach before that 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 even? I mean, Andy changes coaches like most people, like a homeless guy changes shoes. You know what I mean? He, he, he's going through, what, seven or eight? I've lost track uh, since he's become a professional. And it really doesn't make sense. I mean, this is just, to be honest with you, this is just a normal progression. You know, um, we all know who really is the coach of that uh, of that young fella, and uh, it is what it is. I mean, as far as what she brings, geez, I, I, what more can you do with Andy Murray's game, Craig? Honestly, what more can you do? He's always played the same way, and didn't matter who was his coach, right? Lendl probably helped because Lendl would kick him in the butt if Lendl cared enough. We don't really even know. We know what that dynamic brought: two Grand Slams and a, a gold medal. But what we don't know is how much really Lendl was involved in the day-to-day uh, coaching of Andy Murray. We don't know any of those things because neither of them are talking. We don't even know why they broke up. Neither of them are talking. It is what it is, you know, and it's one of those things. I don't know if this is a bad or a good move, really. And I wonder if it's going to be the first of many to come if guys are just running out of options. You know, like I said, Andy's had a lot of coaches, right? Maybe he's just run out of options, or maybe he's just looking for a scapegoat. Yeah, it's certainly a possibility. I mean, the scapegoat thing is the first thing that's come into my head. But uh, I, I just think, you know, you, you have to look at the dynamic of what was, what appeared to be happening with Murray and Lendo. I mean, as you said, we are speculating, but... You, you know Lendo's personality. The guy's a winner. He, he, he worked his way to winning his Grand Slams. He, he went through a lot of losses to get there, and I think he, on a level, he understood what Murray was going through. He's also got that sort of personality where he probably would kick his ass if he thought things weren't going well, you know, disciplined. He was indisciplined in, in on the court or playing poor shots, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I really do think that, you know, if you lose that, then you want to go and replace your coach with someone similar. You don't, you know, go and get someone like Moresmo, who appears to have a completely different character, a much more laid-back-looking approach. Um, You know, maybe I'm completely wrong, and maybe she'll produce the goods. Maybe Mario will go and win the Australian Open or something, but... um, Right now, I just don't see any anything coming from the coach that suggests to me that she merits being there. Yeah, you know what, though? We don't really know what happens behind closed doors there. We don't know if Moresmo doesn't kick his ass or try to. We don't really know. At the end of the day, I don't care who the coach is. Andy Murray wasn't going to be ready to uh, really compete at the U.S. Open, and he didn't look like he wanted to. And it is what it is. You know, what that leads to, who knows? Maybe Moresmo has a plan. Maybe that's exactly what Andy Murray needs, is somebody who's a little less aggressive, if Lendl was even aggressive with the guy. you don't, We don't know. But one thing we do know is Andy Murray's game has taken a tumble. Perhaps not his game so much, but the way he competes. And we hope that he comes back and plays well. 
But I don't have any problem with Moresmo uh, or any female coaching a guy on the tour if that's what they want. Jimmy Connors was coached by his mother and his grandmother, for goodness sakes. It, it, it does happen, and Moresmo does have a couple of uh, grand slams in her cabinet as well and a wealth of experience. So we'll have to wait and see. But you know what? This is the era, Craig, of the celebrity coach. Really is. You had Michael Chang and Goran Ivanisevic on the sidelines at the finals of the U.S. Open, cheering on their charges. Uh, what do you think about the whole celebrity coach scenario that seems to be occurring? Because you've got Federer, too, with Edberg, and Djokovic has Boris Becker. What do you think about the whole celebrity coach deal, and how much do they really bring to the game, you think, or their individual games? I, I guess for me, the one thing that you do definitely get from it is you get experience because these guys, celebrity guys that are coming in, are all guys that were winners. They've all been at the top of the game at some point, so they do have that experience that they could pass on. Um, and I think the other key thing is that they are all guys that have been at the top of the game. They're, they're guys that are able to pass on knowledge, um, tips, suggestions, ta- even like tactical advice. Those are things that are important to players. Um, so from from that perspective, I don't see any problem with having a, a sort of celebrity coach. It, it does become a problem, though, when you bring in someone who, you know, perhaps isn't adding those sort of things. Someone who's just there to attract attention. Um, and, and, I, and I'm sure over time we will see that because I think we're going to see more and more of these coaches getting themselves into the game and you know, it's it's a way to get back into the sport for them, I guess. And uh, at some point, I, I think we're just going to see one too many, and uh, th- then we might see a little bit of a decrease again in the number of celebrity coaches we have on tour. Yeah, that could be. You know what? And the next guru is waiting around the corner. What was that guy's name uh, who was coaching uh, Schneider a long time ago? Patty Schneider, Patty Schneider. <laughs> He had her drinking uh, carrot juice and she turned orange. I mean, <laughs> there, there's always somebody out there. I, I like, I kind of like the uh, celebrity coach in a way. I mean, why not? It's fun to see Boris Becker on the sidelines. It's fun to see my, it was fun to see Michael Chang again. And you know what? That's the only place you're going to see him is uh, wherever he's getting paid. And he's getting paid a healthy sum to coach that kid. And they did get to the finals. And you made a very good statement, a very good point about the experience that these guys bring. Goran Ivanisevic, I'll bet you he's a hoot, though, to be around. You lose, you go have a few beers with him, and then you can go and see Goran's priest. You know, So it's a, it's a beautiful thing, I guess, if it works. And like you said, you know, if it doesn't work out, they can go find somebody else. I'm sure somebody will step right in and want to uh, carry their bags and – do their thing. You know, I think the celebrity coach who's brought the most to someone's game, though, I would have to say it's Stefan Edberg. He has uh, Federer going to the net a little bit more, being a little bit more aggressive with his chips. It's too bad Roger is 33 and not 23 again. Holy smokes, could you imagine Roger Federer really going after it, having a guy like Edberg? Beautiful thing. Tell you what, we got the Davis Cup this weekend, the semifinals are occurring you got italy and switzerland switzerland at the time of this recording is up one zero roger federer took care of business over there and you've got france 
in the Czech Republic, the two-time defending champions, right, Craig? Czech That's Republic. correct, yeah. Yes, yes, indeed. Taking on France. France, and this is at Roland Garros, and France is up 2-0. Tell you what, Craig, uh, I, I'm really uh, pretty interested in both of these, and, and the one I'm interested in the most is the France-Czech Republic, and Richard Gasquet and Joe Willifried Songa have gotten out to a two-love lead over Tomas Burdich and Lucas Rosal. Interesting stuff. The doubles is where it's going to be. Benetau and Gail Monfils will take on Radek Stepanik and Juan John Veseli. And that should be a very good match. I'll tell you something, man. Joe Willifried Sanga, good grief. He, he kicked the daylights out of Rosal, and that's probably not a big surprise. That kid, and I took a lot of crap, if you remember, for saying it, but that kid's got a million-dollar game, and sometimes he has a 10-cent head, right? Yeah, and what summed that up more than this season when he won the Masters event in Canada, beating Murray, Djokovic, and whoever else on the way to doing so. And then, you know, since then he's flopped again. It, it, it's crazy, you know, the, the guy's got all the attributes to be an absolute superstar, and yet somehow he just seems to shoot himself in the foot nonstop. Yeah, he seems to do that, and that's unfortunate. I thought he was going to probably do a little better, or he should have. I would have thought that he would have uh, handled his business better. But it is what it is, you know. But Willifried Sanga, that kid, geez, I wish I had his athleticism. But for some reason, he just doesn't think well on the tennis court. Richard Gasquet has had a pretty decent year, and you know what? He gave Tomas Burdich a thumping here, say three, two, and three, just a complete hammer job. And you got the this doubles though, Gail Monfils. He's another one that uh, he is one of the best athletes I've seen on a tennis court in quite some time. Next to Roger Federer, of course. And he's another one. He wore out Fed. That's why Federer didn't win that tournament. But uh, goodness gracious, this is going to be a good doubles. Who do you like in this? Is this going to be? A sweep for France, or can Czech, or can the Czech Republic get back into this? Um, I, I don't think it, it matters really. I think France will win at least one of the two singles matches. Um, probably Gasquet over Rosa looks like a, a dead set, assuming that's going to be rubber five, I think. But uh, in terms of the doubles, yeah, I, th I fancy France. You know, it's. Uh, as you said, it's at Roland Garros. The crowd will be big behind France. Monfils likes to play to the crowd. You'll be showboating and all sorts of things. But I, I think they'll have enough to get through that doubles and they'll sweep it 3-0. Yeah, okay, well, I'm going to take the Czech Republic uh, in the doubles because Stepanik and Vesely are not going to allow that. If, if Monfils starts uh, hot-dogging it, he's going to wind up eating a tennis ball or two. Old school against the who knows. And Benetau's the same. I don't know what's going to happen with him, but we know what Stepanek and Vesely can do. And I, I think they're going to win on Saturday in that third rubber. And I honestly believe that Tomas Burdich is going to lay some wood on Joe Willifried Sanga, Craig. Sanga's going to play like a champion in his match against Rosal, but Tomas Burdich is no Rosal, and Joe Willifried Sanga is not a competitor in big matches. He had a good summer, granted, but this is where 
the rubber meets the road and that fourth rubber is going to be difficult. It's all going to come down to Richard Gasquet against Lucas Rassal. I'm going to go with France winning this thing 3-2, Craig. Both, but, uh, you know, I think it'll be done before then. I think the French, they're another one of those nations that you, you didn't mention them earlier, but they've got a lot of strength and depth at the minute. They've got a lot of, I think they've got something like eight players in the top 100, which is pretty impressive. No absolute top players, but, you know, for the Davis Cup, having strength and depth is uh, an, an important thing, and I think that'll take the French to the final. You know what? That could very well be. I could easily be wrong. And next week, we'll go back to our Make Some Cash with the Flash segment that we have done in the past. That was a fan favorite. You've got Switzerland playing at home against Italy. Federer won the first rubber in three straight sets. First one went to a tiebreaker. He won 7-6, then 6-4, 6-4. Second robber is Stanislaus Warinka, who's had an incredible year against my boy Fabio Fognini. I'll tell you what, this could be good. And then, of course, you've got Fed and Warinka playing the doubles, and you've got Lorenzi and Andrea Seppi in the singles, and then your reverse or in the doubles. And then you reverse singles, Fognini and Bolelli will be playing Fognini against Fed and Warinka against Bolelli. Bolelli, Bolelli. It is what it is. I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name, but get used to it. I mispronounced lots of people's names. And you know why, Craig? Because it's revenge for all the times people mispronounced mine. <laughs> it is what it is. I'll tell you what, I like Switzerland in this tie. What do you think? Well, just a little score update, but Switzerland are actually up 2-0 at the moment. Um, Warinka wiped the floor with Fognini in the second rubber. So, you know, going into that doubles, two of the best players on tour at the minute, two top 10 players. It's difficult to see Italy getting anything here. Um, you know, I, I potentially see uh, Switzerland winning the doubles and Perhaps Federer and Warinka won't even bother playing the singles. Maybe roll out the substitutes or something. That could be. Well, all done. I should have updated my browser. But I was just so excited that when you came on the line and hear your Scottish accent that I uh, I forgot to update. Anyway, good call. Switzerland 2-0. That's, that's a wash. This one, it's unfortunate. Good job from Italy. I think, I think Lorenzi and Seppi are going to put up a bit of a fight in the doubles, though. I really do, but uh, if if I'm Federer and Warenka, I want to knock this thing out and turn it over to the subs for the dead robbers in number four and five. I'll tell you what, we've got some interesting stuff happening this weekend on the women's side of things. Let's see here. We've got, and I updated my browser so we can do this, Craig. This weekend, they're in Hong Kong, and they are in Uzbekistan. Next week, the ladies are in China and Korea and Japan. It's a big week for the ladies. The guys get back on to the circuit. They'll be in Tel Aviv and they'll be in France. And next week, Craig, you know what? If we can hook this time up and I think we're going to be able to, what we'll do is we will go back to winning some cash with the Flash. I'll tell you what, that was always a fun segment. And you know what? They can send me donations for when they win. That's what I think. Craig, I'll tell you what. What's that? 
You need to get one of those uh, PayPal things on your blog. You know, people can press a button to donate their winnings to you once you, uh, you know, pick the winners for them. Or a percentage would be fine. And I do have one, I think. And it's going to be there. I'm going to house this show over at, probably over at the com brand new website. I think that's going to be a lot of fun to have it there. But I'll tell you what, man, it has been a great time talking tennis with you, my friend. Thank you so much for being on the show with me once again. You're welcome. It is absolutely fantastic to be back. I'm looking forward to next week already. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing more of you on the air, both on here and on your daily show. That's right. We kick things off on Monday. On the 15th, we'll be back in action. I'm still trying to put all the guys together. My time difference is now, we're actually, you know, it should have been easier. But unfortunately, because of the hours of the studio, I am only able to do things at a certain amount of time in a certain time frame. So I'm kind of rounding up most of the guys and most of them will be back. We'll figure it all out. Give me a couple weeks, but we'll be back on air on Monday. We'll also be kicking off a brand new show. If you're a Christian, you're going to really enjoy it's with Michael Noonan, the Phoenix Preacher of the Phoenix Preacher blog. It's called Calvin's Corner. You're going to really like that as well, I think. All right, you know what? This has been a fun hour. It has been so much fun to get back on the air. I have been so, so missing this, man. You have no idea. But we're back. This Week in Tennis will be up there every week. And if Craig can't make it, I'll find somebody else. This Week in Tennis is a fun show to do. I really miss doing it. And I'm really happy to be here every single day on Max Sports Channels. I think it's going to be back on at 4 o'clock. Get that riffraff off that hour that they tried to think they took from me. The Flash is back. This Week in Tennis is back. And I'll tell you what, you enjoy your tennis this week. And we'll see you next week. 